We thought it might be a banana skin for this young Munster side, but instead it was all just peachy. It's time to start harping on rugby. Harping on Rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano, and once again, I've been joined by my fellow fans to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland, and the wider rugby world. This week, my first guest contributor, earning his 29th cap. Hello to Mr. Connor Cronin. How are you? Thanks for having me again. And uh, joining us is someone returning to the Harpen lineup after being out of action since November, and we're giving him a quick run for some game time in the legs before the Six Nations, making his 14th appearance. Welcome back to Mr. Keanu Muller. Yeah, got to get some minutes in those legs. It'd <laughs> be no good otherwise. That's it. And uh, also just a quick shout out to Mr. Rich Mifsud. He was due to join us for this pod. Get well soon, sir. And we hope to have you back on for some Harpin next weekend. Now, just before we crack on with the pod, I just want to remind listeners of a prediction league we'll be running throughout the Six Nations. It's in conjunction with the Fanzo app, and it's called the Guinness Pint Predictor. All you need to do is download the free app and predict the scores for the 15 matches, and you can win a free pint for yourself after each one. And also, if you join our Harpen League, not only will you be helping us out, but we'll also be offering a prize to the top scorers. We'll post the full details on the site early in the week, but if you already have the app, by all means, join our league. The code is... To enter is Harpin, H-A-R-P-I-N. Right, gents, before we get to our main topic of discussion, we're going to a feature we call the Front Five, where we pick out five eye-catching, egg-chasing stories from around the rugosphere, so we can offer a few quick thoughts. Starting with yourself, Connor, your first article is um, from the balls.ie, Coleman Stanley, and the headline is, RFU apologize after severe criticism over controversial new tackle laws. Yeah, look, everybody's seen the reports on this. Everybody's seen the stuff going around and the, the memes and everything else that's been attached with this. It's it's crazy. I mean, like I played I played a match today and if, you know, we, we were all lined up with the referee and they said, OK, let me see everybody's studs. And I just cracked the joke, said, do you want to see our navels as well? So, you know, how high we're allowed to tackle and, um, you know, and gets a good laugh and everything. But that's kind of what they were looking at as a case of a referee needing to know how high on a person and does that change depending on the height of the person and does that change depending on how short they are? They weren't clear. Hmm. Their idea is sound. The idea is we want to make things a little bit safer. We want to make everybody safer and we want to reduce the chances of concussion and the long-term risks that are associated with that. Nobody is going to disagree with that. But something where a new law that they introduce changes and increases the chance of concussions because you'll get fellas hitting hips and fellas hitting knees and that's what's more likely to cause it than, than a tackle height. Um, it, they, they talked about it being a level that needed to be determined and that was the problem. They, they didn't make it clear from the beginning. It's the, it's the right idea and the wrong execution, but I think what they really need to do is just enforce the laws they have. You know, we have rules in place that say high tackles should be yellow carded and extreme high tackles should be red carded. Do it, do that. Get rid of the nonsense in the professional league of mitigation. Mitigation should be a case of 
um, well, here's our minimum entry point and that looked way worse. So we're going to mitigate up, not say, well, you can go and pretend to learn how to tackle again and do the same thing again in a few weeks. No, mitigate, mitigate up, not down, enforce the laws that are in place already. And that's going to make the game safer for everybody. Yep, absolutely. And uh, just uh, anything that's going to stop seeing the word uh, nipples, na- navels and armpits in my uh, in my rugby timeline, maybe for a, just for just for a few days, at least anyway, um, I'll be clear. No, they definitely need they, they need clarity on the laws. All right. They need to consult with their clubs as well. There's a lot of a lot of other issues kind of bubble to the surface. Um, we, we were watching it all unfold, but uh, it's, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they I mean, this is supposed to be implemented for next season. So I don't know how they're going to get get this all sorted and around to the it's thousands and, and the fact that French referees aren't enforcing it the way they're allegedly having a trial. Um, yeah, they really need to get their uh, stage one team together. Okay, so we're going to move to yourself, Kino. Your first article is from Talking Rugby Union, and uh, it's the headline is Bernard Laporte resigns from FFR president role after a corruption conviction. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a pretty wild time in French rugby at the moment. Uh, Bernard Laporte has resigned as president of the French Rugby uh, Federation uh, due to multiple legal issues at this point. Uh, he'd already stepped aside last month after being convicted of influence peddling and illegally acquiring assets. Um, and he was then taken into custody again this week and questioned about additional tax fraud, uh, which they've investigated since 2020, which he denies. Um, there was then a big <laughs> hoo-ha over... Um, the club presidents rejected his proposal for a temporary replacement. Uh, <laughs> and then there was a request that they should all resign, which would trigger uh, an election uh, within six weeks of a replacement. And that didn't happen. So 11 of them ended up resigning anyway, but not enough to trigger the elections. That now is not going to happen till June. It's an absolute shit show, I think is what they call it in in, in uh, governance terms. Um there have been calls for him as well to resign as vice chairman of World Rugby and in fairness, you, you can't see how he can keep that role with everything that's going on at the moment. Um, it's very serious. Um, the conviction that he already has, um, even though it's a suspended sentence um, and the like, further allegations now, it's not looking good. And, you know, they've got the role coming up in September. They really need to get their house in order. That's the thing. I mean, it's like, like you say, with the, we're so close to the World Cup and then we're even closer to the Six Nations. And you talk about governance, pretty much every union has got something going on um, at the moment. It's, it's, it's a crazy it's a crazy time. It's like they're all it's, it's like they're, they're all getting their laundry uh, aired uh, just before just before the Six Nations. And uh, you just, you know, we, we literally we want to talk about the rugby, but we can't you, you can't uh, avoid all these different issues. And it's like every it's like playing bingo with all the different uh, possible things that can go wrong and some some things that go wrong you didn't even think could go wrong um it's 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 a crazy situation this is it i mean i thought it was crazy with just the amount of coaches being uh chopped and changed and then the unions all just seems to explode one after the other like a fireworks display a lot of, a lot of hold my beer going on but uh <laughs> listen you know we, we what we actually want to talk about of course is the actual rugby. So that brings us on to our next article. And let's, this is actual about rugby on the pitch. This is your um, next one, Connor. This is from the Belfast newsletter as Kieran Donaghy. And the headline is uh, Ulster Saints Stormers with Home Success. Yeah, uh, you can tell it's a Belfast article because it is singing the praises of Ulster the whole way through, but certainly so, you know, I mean, here's a team who, whatever number of weeks ago came to Leinster and kind of 
broke a little bit. And we've been waiting to see those big performances again that, that they had been building on. And, you know, we saw, we saw really good glimpses of it against La Rochelle a couple of weeks back. But, um, I mean, th- th- they've won that game five tries to one. And that one try for the Stormers was in the 77th minute. Uh, it could have been seven or eight tries, the way Ulster were playing. Um, yeah, the Stormers might have been missing a couple of players who were on, uh, on enforced rest. And definitely the injury to Roos is, uh, is a big blow for them. And looks like he's probably out for the season now. Um, I'm sure when it comes time for Harry Byrne to be playing against him, he, he won't be too disappointed after, uh, after what happened last year. Um, but it's, you know what, it, I think it's a good thing to see Ulster getting their mojo back. A good thing for Irish rugby. Um, not necessarily a good thing when we're having them down the road in a few weeks. But... Um, that's just that's just the way it works, and um, you know we, we've heard Kigo say it lots of times. You know, a strong Munster is a strong Ireland. I think a strong Ulster is a strong Ireland too. You know, the stronger the four provinces that are playing, the better for Irish rugby. And as we're about to go into a Six Nations window, you know, this is great to see them um, to see them starting to get themselves back together again. Okay, now we'll move on back to yourself, Kino. Uh, this is from the Irish Examiner. It's uh, Kevin Fallon, and the headline is a Six Try Munster Bank Bonus in Treviso Thriller. Yeah, yeah, the headline is distinct. Uh, captures most of it, but not all of it. Uh, it started off rough for Munster. Uh, they were 12 nil down in the first 13 minutes. Uh, you you might have been a bit worried for them in that. You know, Benetton have been showing good form. Um, I don't know if they had still their international crew uh, during that. I know that's been a problem for them in the past years, um, but uh, they, they they certainly put a fight in in this game. Um, but Munster, they regained composure and uh, they powered through with a strong performance. John Hodnosh being notable. Um, plenty of twists and turns in the game, though. Uh, Joey Carberry, Calvin Nash, Jack O'Sullivan all played well. Um, Carberry had to switch to fullback when Calvin Nash got injured. Um, and he made a, a great tri-saving tap tackle on Benetton on one stage. Um, Nash also had good impact. He had a nice chip and chase. We set up try for Paddy Patterson, who's doing really well down in Munster. I'm delighted for him. Um, um, but yeah, Hardnut, uh, one of his one of one of his many involvements in the game was a uh, lovely bit of uh, pace and offloading to put uh, Jack O'Sullivan in under the posts. Um, I mean, despite all the tries that you know, it, it wasn't all plain sailing. There was a yellow card for Ben Healy and a red card for Dermot Barron. Um, but despite that, Munster managed to see it out. Um, Benetton did get a consolation try bonus at the end, which could be important. For that that mid table pack is tight as hell. Everyone needs every point they can get. Um, so you know they still they're they're I think they're seventh in the table at the moment. They they're, they're kind of looking at a fight now to to stay up in that qualification zone, which would be brilliant to see. Um, but Munster, yeah, continuing the good vein of form they're on at the moment. It's good to see. Yeah, absolutely. Table does look a lot better for them. I mean, it was uh, for whatever about how they're doing in their draw in Europe. We were just saying last week is like uh, qualification for next year's competition is uh, is key to them as well. And there's a lot of uh, and, you know, eighth place doesn't guarantee you that. 
uh, these days either. So they, they, they need every point in the table. De- definitely looks a lot better for them now. Okay, so uh, back to yourself, Connor, for the final article. And this is from the Irish Times. It's Lindley McKenzie. And the headline is uh, Jack Carty becomes Connett's all-time point scorer as Lions tamed at the sports ground. Yeah, Jack Carty, who has broken a record that's been in place belonging to Eric Elwood since 2005. Um, you know, an 18-year record finally gone and no better man to get it. Now, Jack Carty has been a great servant to Connacht. He has done, he just eats, sleeps and breathes that place. You know, you, you look at the history of Connacht players and the likes of John Muldoon and Eric Elwood and these guys who are legends of the sports ground. And Carty is deservedly up there now with them, um, particularly taking this record it's also a really good win for Connacht. Um, I think they needed a good win. They needed to show they could score tries. Um, the two that happened between 34 and 43 minutes, uh, O'Halloran and Blade. Um, and I think those two tries really killed the game off for the Lions. You know, they were suddenly down at, at I think, 30, 30-something to 17 at that stage. And it looked like, it was getting out of hand for them. And then Blade got in for his third try on 63 minutes right before he went off. So Blade had a great game and it's good to see another scrum half really putting it up to the fellas who've been picked for the Six Nations. Um, a, a really good showing from him and a great win for Connacht. Delighted to see it. Absolutely. Okay, well, that's it uh, for the front five. As always, you'll find all those links in the program notes. So now it's time for us to look ahead to our feature match of the week, which was, of course, Leinster v. Cardiff in round 13 of the 22-23 BKT United Rugby Championship. As always, our match wrap pods are brought to you by the Irish Rugby Store. It was an overcast uh, evening in Dublin, and uh, there wasn't meant to be any rain, but in the end, there was a light drizzle in the air as Harry Byrne kicked off towards the south stand. For Leinster's first couple of attacks, we were thwarted by some determined Cardiff tackling, with attempted kicks into their 22 getting caught by their fullback of the day, Reese Priestland. Eventually, though, Harry placed a beauty right in the corner, and when Myhill's line-out dart was judged to be crooked, we had ourselves a prime attacking opportunity, Connor. Yeah, and... You know, you're looking at scrum time. You're looking at you know getting into that scrum, and you've got this young, uh, this young front row, with the possible exception of Michael Alatoa, um, coming up against a very experienced Cardiff front row. Um, and when you watch the, when I when I watched it back, the strength in the scrum. I mean, okay, we gave a couple of penalties away. They gave a couple of penalties away. I think there was reasonable parity in the scrum all day but uh, Max Deegan breaks off the back and was inches short inches away from scoring a try um, which is great to see it was great to see him have the confidence to pick it up from the back and just go for it um, and then a couple of a uh, c- couple of infringements gave us the penalty for a tap and go um, which again is just becoming such a weapon for Leinster. It's been great to see, but there's a lovely switch from Deegan off that tap and go where he just comes from, you know, the ball's pushing left and he just cuts right on a beautiful line and straight through. And I think Deegan as a player needed, he needed a big game. He needed a game where he showed 
still in the mix, lads. I'm still part of what goes on here. I'm still pushing for that jersey every single week. Uh, we got a real glimpse of that um, on Saturday evening. He, he really was. He, was. he was at the core of a lot of what Leinster did well on Saturday evening. Um, he had big carries. He had good running lines. He was protecting rooks. He was latching onto players for their drives. There's a lot of good in what Max Deegan was doing, and it's great to see him coming back into form. Absolutely. And we were saying in the preview with Mark, Mark was pointing out just what a prospect uh, we're going to talk about prospects later, but just what a prospect uh, James Cohan is. And he's saying that he's, 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 you know, could be one of the, one out of all the back rows we produce, he has the potential to be, especially from the number eight position um, to be one of the great ones. So it's all, you're almost thinking he, even his presence on the bench could have inspired um, Max Deegan to, to say, well, listen, you know, I've got to really up my game now. And uh, I mean, he has been playing well this season. There's no question of that, but um, it's, it's, it's really good to see this, um, you know, this competition at such a, such a big position when we've already got, we've got Jack Conan as well, of course, Clayton Doris um, at the position as well, but also from those scrums, it's good to see that, you know, we, we have had problems at the scrums. So instead of just trying to persevere, we do have the, we do have a really good quick scrum option um, where, where, you know, we, we just, we can almost negate what's going on in that front row if the ball's going to come out quickly enough. Yeah. And we are trying things as well. Now, of course, we did get caught in this game um, later on at one point as well, by basically feeding it into the second row, which you don't see called often, but it does happen. But still, um, it's, it, it is good to see us trying options. And Deegan definitely had a good performance, all right. That's it. Between him picking off the base, uh, McGrath switching directions yep. off, uh, off the base as well. The, the scrum... Mark talked about it a couple of weeks back. You know, it's not the weapon that it always was, but it doesn't need to be. Um, but if it doesn't need to be the set piece that it always needed to be, you know, that big, strong, dominant, churning out penalties, but it can be the creative set piece we need, much as the tap and go has been. So Harry missed the conversion, which meant it was 5-0 to Leinster after six minutes, and the next 10 minutes or so were marked with mistakes by both sides. So before we get back to the action keynote, maybe you can tell us a bit about the overall performance of Harry Byrne. This was a very important start for him. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I've been looking for more mature performances from Harry this season. Um, you know, not the showreel stuff. Not every move needs to slice open the opposition back line, uh, opposition line, uh, not uh, for, for, you know, for a worldie all the way. Uh, or, you know, not every kick has to be a cross field into the bread basket. Uh, you know, I, I really wanted to just see him nail the basics, marshal the back line, pick the right options, execute, uh, you know, get the bread and butter sorted and the jam follows. Um, and that was, I was very happy that that's, uh, we saw a lot of that on Saturday, uh, in my opinion. Um he maybe it wasn't maybe quite the tough game that I was expecting him to get when I saw the teams announced. Um, but he just certainly didn't have as much of an experienced fi um, 15 uh, behind him or in front of him uh, in this match as, as we saw the last couple of outings. So it was, I thought it was going to be a decent yardstick. It, is, it was a decent yardstick of where he's at regardless. Um, I think early on, it was good to see he recognized the issue uh, we were having breaking the Cardiff line on the first 20. And their defensive line was was really good. We just weren't getting purchased. We weren't winning those collisions. And he was starting to test in behind with those uh, mid-range kicks. And he was finding grass more often than not. Um, and especially, I remember one where he spotted there was only one in the backfield. Um, really put pressure on them. It was, it, it was great to see that he was, he was picking those out. 
and that affected their defense as the game went on. He was, uh, yeah, as it went on as well, he was picking out the right options on the game line more. A um, couple of beautiful bullet passes as well. Uh, he has paired back on his natural instinct to attack the line as much. He's, I think he's balancing the, the, um, the kick run pass choices better um, this season. Uh, but when he did take the the run option, he was very effective. Um, like he, he's keeping himself with that real carry threat, and that you know that's so important to the way uh, Leinster's attacking patterns work. You have to have a threat at your pivot at ten, um, or whoever's acting as pivot. But you know, <laughs> it's Johnny's team still, so it's yeah. ten. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, he he made way for Tector then uh, to get some decent minutes on sixty six, but it was job done, game over at that point. And yeah, I think he came out with. Uh, I, 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 yeah, he didn't make all his kicks. Uh, I think he was three for five. Yeah, but still, still a good out. Exactly what I wanted to see from him, and exactly the way I want to see him develop. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think it actually, in the way the game kind of went perfectly for him. In a way, uh, like you say, he had a challenge in the first few minutes, and he was able to work that out. He did make a couple of mistakes. Will be, you know, but you know. Every every player does, um, but I think overall, I think himself and Luke McGrath, I think that at halfbacks, they they were against a very good um, halfback combination as well, very experienced as well, who know how to beat Leinster themselves. So um, it was a real challenge for them, but I think they just rose to it and and and, and sorted things out as they went. And you know, just getting back to the action where we were at um, after a cross kick, after a Harry Byrne crossfield kick went a bit too far out in the full. On his next opportunity, he sent a perfect looping pass into the arms of his hooker, John McKee, who proceeded to do what one might call a Sean Cronin-esque step around Ben Thomas to set us up before that man, Max Deegan, danced his way into the 22, putting us right back on the front foot, Connor. Yeah, and again, you know, you're just getting really, really good, positive play. Bella's protecting rooks, Bella's moving good lines. And eventually, it's Max Deegan who looks like he's going over for what could have been the messiest try in the history of the West, you know, uh, as Dave Carney bats it back in field so that he's not being dragged into touch and Deegan kicks it forward and goes to dive on it and knocks it on in goal. But all this is happening with an advantage. Um, We come back for another tap penalty um, and the hands, the hands are the key in this try because off the tap, McElroy passes it out to Deegan, who very quickly passes it to Penny, who passes it out to Byrne. And you're looking at space all the way out on that left-hand side of the pitch. And suddenly a beautiful running line back inside from Luke McGrath. And he's, I mean, I, I don't know what the commentators refer to it, but it is one of those sort of scything runs that you hear mentioned in commentary often. He just cut through the defence and straight over from try. It was really, really well worked. And again, Variation on the tap and go. Nobody knows what's coming next when that happens. And it's brilliant. So Harry added the conversion this time, making it 12-0 after 20 minutes. And as Reese Priestland had to leave the game with a hamstring injury. A jackal penalty by Cardiff Octomani seemed to give the visitors a chance to get on the scoreboard. And Jared Evans passed on the three points to go for the corner. But after we put their resulting mall into touch, a clean exit set involving Maloney, Deegan and McGrath allowed Leinster to clear. Then Harry Byrne launched another beauty to touch near the Cardiff line, which was literally inches away from being a 50-22. Still, after a neat defensive line out of their own, Cardiff Lloyd Williams hit a poor clearance kick into the 22, landing into the grateful arms of Luke McGrath. And the few phases developed then, and then our scrum half was, had the ball again, Kino. 
yeah, uh, for me, I think this is really the moment um, in the ground when I realised that Cardiff's heads were gone. Um, you know, I love to take, I love to see a scrum half take an opportunistic uh, sniping try, and that's exactly what this was. Um, by I look back at it, um, by my count, from the last rook, they had eight players in the subsequent rook that the, the, right before the try scoring, either in the rook or on the blind side. I think Reese was maybe uh, holding one or two. Uh, <laughs> slow uh, to get out of the la- the rook before uh, you love a bit of d- d- the dark arts um, so the, yeah there was a there was a, uh, a breakdown there and the Scarlet Hooker Myhill found himself on the on the wrong side and uh, going round to a pillar position that was already filled by one of his teammates uh, who was ball watching he was rook inspecting and there was no one on the other side and as he <laughs> as Myhill was pointing out <laughs> shoving him over Luke was already gone. Um, he spots the gap before anyone can fix it, and he runs through pretty much untouched. It was horrific. <laughs> J5 level defending from Cardiff. I would have been embarrassed to do something like that myself now, even though I was terrible. Um, and yeah, that's probably the one that's going to get loud on the Monday review. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, I mean, I don't get to watch a lot of uh, the round ball game these days, but whenever I do, you always hear them uh, banging on about uh, zonal marking um, at corner kicks. And this kind of reminded me of that because they were really mesmerized by our front door, back door option, a little uh, deception thing. And it's like, they were so focused on that. I'm trying to work out which one they were going to know that they left the, the, the much easier option right there up the middle. And Luke just said, Oh, there you go. I can just go straight through. And, and that's what happened. It was, uh, it, it was, it was, it looked just way too easy. Like you say, that's, that's almost like when they were broken. Yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, there's only so much mental load you can put on on, on uh, a player when they're not used to a level of complexity of dealing with that in defense. Uh, you know, if you're not training it, uh, you're not going to be able to deal with it on a match day. And you might have, you might be thinking so hard, yeah, you forget to do something that you're absolutely supposed to do, or you're two of you assume one thing. Yep. And you leave a massive gap and you just can't do that. At this Absolutely. Level. Even at, you know, at this level, it's URC, uh, you know, you can't be doing that. No, not at all. And uh, so, so again, Harry made the place kick, which brought the score to 19 nil after half an hour. And here I thought we'd have a little chat about the prospects that were on show at the RDS on Saturday. Now, a lot has been said just about the debutants on the night, but uh, there were a lot more in the 23 who have been looking to impress. So uh, maybe, Connor, what, what did you make of uh, what we saw from Leinster's Next Generation? I think when, when the team sheet was named, and I've said this already, there was some worry, you know, some people looking going, oh, God, a lot of young guys there, a lot of guys with 10, 11 caps or less on that pitch. That's, oh, what, what are they going to be able to do? Um, I, I had a good look at... Uh, not necessarily how many caps everybody has, but the only two players who are not Leinster Academy that lined out on Saturday, and I, I stand to be correct on this, but uh, Ala Alatoa and McElroy are the only two. Everybody else has come through the system, has started in whatever school they started in, but has been part of the Leinster Academy from early on and pushed through from there. So they've got to show their worth. You know, the, you, you see it. The, the number of first year academy prospects and the number of third year academy prospects don't always match up. You know, fellas get dropped, fellas get let go. So you've got to prove that you've got what it takes, that you fit the systems, that you understand what's happening. And, you know, 
it's been talked about in the pod a number of times that the name on the jersey, that the, the number will always be there, but the name becomes interchangeable. Um, if, if, if you look at the backs, you know, Cosgrave, Turner, Riley, Brownlee, these are all fellas who have small numbers of caps, but look at what they did on the day. Look at their ability to step in and say, this is the system. This is what we do. This is how I can do it. And I can't necessarily do it the same way Gary Ringrose does it or the same way James Lowe does it or whoever else. But I do it my way. I'm trusted to do it my way. And like it's, it's great to watch. Um, even, you know, you, you get into the pack and you've got McKee, Milne and Deeney. Again, Milne, uh, Milne has had... Uh, he's had a good number of appearances this season with Ed Byrne taking an injury. Um, and it's great to see his progress. It's great to see McKee pushing on as well. Deeney, who's had, you know, a couple of people were thinking, Jesus, is he going to overtake big Joe Mack? And I think it was because Joe McCarthy had an injury at the time. And some people thought we're, we're looking uh, without that information. But he's shown a lot of promise. Um, and then you get to the bench where, again, the, the small numbers of caps, and I'm not going to look necessarily at you know, the whole bench, but Hannon, Clarkson, Cohane, Tector, King, two debutants. Um, I actually, I, I pointed it out on Friday night, with the, or on Saturday night with the lads I was sitting with. Um, Cohane is huge. He's an enormous specimen. You compare him to, uh, you know, Deegan and, so I think Penny was still on, uh, or no, so it was. It, it will have been Connors, Deegan, and himself in the back row. And I'm staring from the south stand, looking up at a scrum. And he's got the height to match Deegan, but he was about one and a half times as wide. It looked like he looked enormous. He is stacked. That boy is spending a lot of time in the gym. Um, and if he's keeping his athleticism with that bulk, you know, you said it earlier that. There's a lot of talk about him having a very, very high ceiling. And people talk about Doris like Dor as you know, the next great eight. And it's amazing to think that the next great eight after that is already in the system, is already working his way through, has just made his first appearance, is ready to take that step up. But that's the way it is across the pitch. Yep. Look, at so look at some of the guys who scored tries, and we'll talk a bit more about a couple of those um, a little later. But... Fellas who stepped up, who don't care who wore the jersey last week. I have the jersey this week. I take my opportunity. I take my chance. And huge credit has to go to the coaching staff. Huge credit has to go to Leo, Stu, and, and, and everyone in the coaching staff. You know, whether that's Andrew Goodman or Sean O'Brien or uh, Rob McBride. All these guys are putting the work into these young players. They're not just looking and saying... There's our starting 15. Lads, come on out and let's train. And uh, you guys can train over there and watch what goes on. No, All the everybody bikes, yeah. is part of everything. And yeah. that's what creates this, you know, people call it a, an assembly line or a production line or whatever line you want to use. That's what's creating it, is a bit of trust, a bit of faith. And it's not just the trust and faith of the coaches in the players. It's the players in the coaches. Everybody trusts what's going on. And I think the culture that's been created in the, in the dressing room, and I'm not there. I don't know what it is, but it's clearly the kind of culture where 
there's real support for each other. You even look at the situation with Nick McCarthy, you know, he won't have made the decisions he made last year without knowing he had the trust and the backing of his team. Um, there's a culture being created. And I think that's what's at the core of this assembly line, that it's not just, you know, yeah, everybody's got to prove they've got the skills and they've got the capability, but They've got, a tr- they've, got, they've got a trust in the system, that the system works, and be trusted to take that role on and make it happen. It's amazing to see what, what we're creating, what we're powering through, and, and, and it becomes the envy of other clubs worldwide, you know, where they look and go, gee, Mac, how are we going to compete? Like Car- Cardiff will have surely thought, right, we're coming to Leinster, we're going to take a scalp. And then six minutes in, that's we're seven points down already to the thirds. Oh man! And the heads drop, and you see it. They didn't start playing till the last fifteen minutes. And, and, and that that sense of oh, I, I wouldn't say dejection it's probably the wrong word, but that sense of genie oh, Mac, here we go again. Doesn't matter what fifteen names are out there. This is just going to be a hard slog. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you look at the experience these players are getting as well. I mean, uh, um, like Cohen and uh, Tector as well. I mean, Tector, I mean, how old was Johnny Sexton when he kicked that winning um, drop goal in, 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 to, to win away in France on the way to a Grand Slam? Tector's already done it and he's like 20. And it's like, um, it's, 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 it's amazing. And, that, and then you go right back to their, you even go to the senior cup schools level and, and the standards you've seen there, which, you know, just kicked off again today. Michael's won today and it's all starting again. And the next line, the next on the assembly line are, are starting to come. Michael's versus uh, Belvedere. Yeah. First round to have, like yep. who, who wants to see that anything before quarters or semifinals, yep. you know? Um, but you know, these games have to happen sometimes. That's how they come out of the hats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just an amazing standard and we're definitely seeing the benefit for sure. Absolutely. So going back to the match of the night, there was a telling moment on 34 minutes when Cardiff were awarded a free kick at a scrum around the halfway line. When most Cubs we played this season would have gone for the quick tap. The visitors took a while deciding what to do before Jared Evans simply launched a high ball, which was taken by Dave Carney. And that kind of summarized their evening at the RDS. But anyway, the half fizzled out from there, leaving the score at the break. Leinster 19, Cardiff nil. There were no changes for either side at the break, and just a minute after the restart, Leinster's centres combined well as a Brownlee show-and-go in his own half put the Cardiff skipper on his arse before slipping a great offload to Turner, who stormed all the way into the opposition 22. The move came to nothing, but it wasn't long before Leinster were down there again, and when Cardiff winger Jason Harry stopped a backline move, things were to go from bad to worse for the visitors, Keno. Yeah, this one only really came to Piper's attention um, after a replay on the big screen, but it was a stupid yellow to give away, really. Um, they're, they're being, you know, ostensibly in the act of tackling McGrath uh, with Cosgrave outside him. Uh, you know, Harry Harry's had to go out of his way to interfere with that ball in flight. Uh, he was watching it the entire time. Again, they were ball watching. You know, they weren't concentrating on the man. They were looking at the ball. He was, you could see his head tracking even in real time, I saw it. Um, it it could it could have been considered as a penalty try, but uh, Ben Thomas looked like he had a reasonable chance of covering in behind. So that's I, that's fair enough call. Um, so yeah, from that ill advised uh, <laughs> yellow card, uh, Leinster kicked to the corner. It didn't get them all set very well off the off the line out. Um, so Cardiff were able to defend that easily enough. So from there we went to the meat grinder, the good old meat grinder. So uh, 
really good carry from Penny. Uh, got yards, got it uh, pretty much to the five. And then Ruddock and Milne got it, uh, another five between them to the line. Deeney picked it up from the base of the ruck, drives low, latch from Deegan, just bashes him over that the, the, the last couple of the, the last couple of feet, uh, bowls over the defender, and yet yeah, the whitewash is crossed. Yeah, and that was the bonus point with uh, with Harry adding the extras again, making it twenty six nil with half an hour left on the clock. And shortly afterwards, Deegan powered ahead once more off the back of a scrum before winning a penalty, which gave us another attacking line out, Connor. Yeah, and went to the line out again. Um, a short line out to McGrath and then really good footwork by uh, McKee at that stage who was on um, and a big carry again by uh, by Deeney um, and another one by Turner. It then had to become sort of slow, patient ball. You know, a few, a few steady rooks where everybody's doing, again, everybody's doing the right thing. Everybody's getting in over the ball. Everybody's protecting so that Luke McGrath could do his job and then suddenly... There's space out wide. Um, Luke passes it out to Harry. Harry to Cosgrave. Um, and a great finish by O'Reilly. I mean, that ball came out. He had to take it way up over his head and still managed to get himself back down nice and comfy, get past the covering defender and get in for the try. Uh, a really well-worked try, though. Like a really good team try. Everybody's involved. Um, just great to see. And this time, Harry's conversion went wide, meaning it was 31-0. And now Leinster went to the bench, switching the full front row. Nick McCarthy also coming on for Luke McGrath. And Scott Penny gave way for the return of Will Connors. From here, Cardiff had something of a purple patch, although it started with a sequence of 19 phases repelled by the much-changed Leinster defence, although an offside penalty put them back in our 22 for a line-out key now. Yeah, this one felt like it was coming all right. Um, just after the bench was just shy of emptied with Kalan and Tactor coming on, uh, Cardiff, yeah, they'd found some purchase in Leinster's half. Um, it was a rather impressive defensive stand from Leinster. Um, uh, but the, yeah, they found themselves because of that uh, offside with an attacking line out about 15 meters out. Um, I, personally, I think going up, uh, choosing to defend it in the air, choosing to try and take it in the air to contest it in the air, that was a mistake. Of course, you know, hindsight and all that. But uh, to me, you've just made changes. You've got a fairly experienced card of pack. They're going to maul it. Like they are. <laughs> they're, they're going to maul it. Um, Possibly just set your Moldy because you know our Moldy was doing pretty well uh, up until that point. Um, so anyway, horses for courses. Uh, Leinster managed to slow. They 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 got the ball down. They set them all rolling nicely um, off the back of that, and uh, Leinster managed to slow it down around the five. Um, both of them splintered off and uh, was taken to ground, um, and then. Thornton picked and went against Deeney, who was solo in the pillar position. Just couldn't put a stop on him. Just was in the wrong position. Couldn't get uh, couldn't get shoulder in front of the body. So he was trying to take him sideways. Just wasn't going to happen. And so yeah, Thornton went over, and that was that was that was that was the try for them. Absolutely. And uh, Evans popped over the conversion, making it thirty-one-seven. And although they did keep pressing us, it took them over ten minutes to find another breakthrough. And it was their subprop Dombachowski who got it started. Connor. Yeah. Um. He, the, the, they, they, they've won a really good penalty, taken a line-out, um, and they've taken a really good line-out that, as it comes down, they formed their mall really, really well, uh, like really well-structured in such a way that as they started driving infield, they were forcing Leinster players around the, uh, the touchline side of the mall. So that as they start driving, 
um, as the break-off happens, there's a huge number of Leinster players on the wrong side of the mall and they just can't get across fast enough. So a quick, well-resourced rook and then suddenly Deeney, uh, Deeney and uh, I think Tector are the only two players, oh, sorry, Deeney McCarthy are the only two players who are getting close fast enough, but they're not as fast as they want to be. And just a quick pick and go and straight over the line, straight past, I say Deeney can't get himself set the right side of the rook. So he becomes that soft shoulder and kind of blocks McCarthy even from getting anywhere near it. And uh, not that I think he would have stopped him from that range anyway. Um, but it's a, it, it's a good try. Um, it's the kind of try where, you know, defensively, Leinster will look and say, okay, what should we have done differently? What could we have done differently in our mall? How did we all get sucked around that right-hand side of it? Why weren't they having to, you know, why were they able to shift the entire focus of it in field without there being enough players there to stop it and allow those other players get out and back round to try and push it on again? Um, you know, it, it's one that it's one that gives the coaches something important to work on on Monday and gives the players that sense of, okay, we're not perfect, so we have got work-ons. We need to have work-ons. Like, I mean, you, you, you can't. If, we, if we'd won that game without Cardiff scoring a try, I'd have been delighted that the defence was that good. But I always want to see what can we work on, what can we improve on, so that when we do eventually get to a point, and I really hope we get there someday, where we're looking at games and saying, wow, they didn't score a thing. Mm. They couldn't get passes, and there was nothing they could do. We did everything right. I mean, that, that day will never happen. Mm. But I want that day to happen where it's because we're doing everything right and not because of, you know, a mistake like that or just being caught on the wrong side of the mall or not getting to the rook quick enough. You know, those, those are your mistakes. You learn from them. You become a better player from them. And, you know, I've, I've no issue with the team having a few of them to work on. And again, Evans added the extras, making the scoreline a more respectable 31-14. And credit to Cardiff, they were determined to keep playing right to the end, although finding themselves in their own 22 against the determined Leinster 15, it wasn't long before the scoreline got a bit less respectable again, Kino. Yeah, they held on to it for a couple of minutes, fighting for a score from their own kind of 22 up to kind of just shy of the half uh, halfway line. I couldn't figure out for the life of me why they were why they were still battling that hard, to be honest, and not really getting any forward momentum at all. Um, and then, yeah, a poor pass off the base of a rook uh, from Lloyd Williams bounced nowhere near his man. Um, I, I don't even think he was going for the skip pass. I think it was just an absolutely missed pass. Uh, and it bobbled directly to the feet of a very grateful Liam Turner. Uh, he's still a bit of work to do. Two defenders in front of him. Um, Deacon ran a, a nice line uh, to fix the outside man, and Turner pulled off a lovely step with his left uh, to go in with hardly a hand on him. And it was a try to really summarise the match. Uh, Cardiff just not at the races. Unforced error. Bit of a brain fart. Leinster running over the line. Yep, absolutely. And uh, Tector got a chance to take a place kick, which he put over, meaning for the second week in a row, we got seven points right at the final whistle, meaning the final score was Flenster 38, Cardiff 14. Okay, so now it's time for some final thoughts, uh, starting with yourself, Kino. 
Yeah, I mean, frankly, as a spectator, I was I was a bit disappointed by this game. Um, you know, I've been expecting a bit more of a fight and a tighter contest. Uh, when you know, when I looked at the team sheets initially, it was really fairly experienced card of fifteen, and we were looking very callow, especially in the back line. Uh, had a had a bit of a spine going through from the halves uh, through the pack. Um, but uh, yeah, and Cardiff were a great value for their win against us last season. But uh, yeah, taking a broader view, um, I love seeing team sheets with a rake of young players' names on it. Knowing that I'll always learn a thing or two about what's in the pipeline um, and that they'll pick up the valuable experience playing at URC, URC level. Uh, someone for the first time, uh, like uh, eight on Tector. Uh, mightily impressive at under 20s. Uh, I have really high hopes for what both of them can do in blue. Um, shame we didn't get to see Aitzal uh, get, get up to much uh, in his short stint on, on the pitch, but uh, someone's got to be that backup man just in case there's an injury. So um, I thought the young forwards all carried themselves pretty well, uh, though the scrum had a couple of issues in the last 15, 20 minutes. Um, Max O'Reilly, Liam Turner and John McKee all came out with big pluses in their copybooks for me. They all had really, really good games. Um, lovely to see Connors back up and shopping away. Uh, he could be really, he could be a very important key option, uh, bench option for us uh, come the business end of the season. Uh, Deegan is really building up a nice head of steam with consistent performances and just making line breaks at just the right time, just when we need them. He's gone <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, uh, it's it's great to see him kind of coming back up to that uh, level of performance I was expecting from him back when himself and Doris were kind of neck and neck. Um, Luke McGrath proving is not lying down and taking the number two spot for the nine jersey. He he wants he wants that number one spot and he's fighting for it and he's making a case. Uh, he's been playing brilliantly. Uh, so on the whole, yeah, maybe not 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 a great contest, not the best, not not the contest that maybe I was expecting, but uh, yeah, enough satisfying outcomes certainly to uh, send us on our way to the Six Nations with a smile on our collective faces. And uh, and yourself, Connor, what did you make of it? Okay, I agree that. You know, a lot of the prospects, and we've talked about it already, it's great to see those guys coming through. It's great to see the trust in the system. And as I already mentioned, it's great to see some work-ons. It's great to see that there's still things to, to build on, still things that everyone could be doing better, You know, pick up the mistakes, find the problems, get them right. Um, it's, it's a little worrying that there are, there are teams, and I, and I said this earlier, you know, that maybe... Maybe Cardiff were a bit, oh, lads, we're losing to, we're losing to definitely not the first string. Um, and it's, it's disappointing to see that attitude in the league where people will come to Leinster. And I know, I know like the, the, the likes of Priestland going off was a big blow for them early on in the game. But I want to see more fight. I want to see teams really put it up to us. I want to see teams challenged. I want to see the league improve. You know, we, we can all joke that the URC equals best league. Um, and, you know, it, it's great to see so many teams progressing out of their the European group stages into the knockouts. But I want to see all those teams taking a leaf. Like, if, if you've got to copy some of what Leinster are doing, copy it. If you go on to find your own way, even better. You know, build your own sense of identity and this is what we do and this is how we do it in the same way Leinster have. And I think, I think a lot of the, the, the lower level at this point, the teams who are in certainly the bottom half of the table, they really need to step it up because 
no, no, who, who wants who wants 50 nil every week or whatever? I'm glad we conceded a couple of tries. I've said this already. I'm glad we conceded. I'm glad we have work-ons. And I want to see the rest of the teams really putting it up to us. Well, now it's time to look at some of the full-time takes from around social media, starting with our Facebook page. Uh, Gavin Hegarty said, uh, it was great to see the debutants Leinster are going to be a force for years to come. And then Brian Corr said, uh, I feel Cardiff came thinking they were going to have an easy game with so many Leinster players on Ireland duty, and they realized their mistake too late. Now, over on Twitter, Tom Coleman, a regular contributor, says an old adage of Leinster is not being tested. But uh, for once, I'll begrudgingly agree. Cardiff have been awful, he says. And then just to give a Welsh uh, perspective, this is a good one from, um, I think it's Mark Grenau. And uh, he said, I've been over in Ireland to see my girlfriend for the first time in a month. I lasted about seven seconds during sex and still wasn't the worst performing Welshman in Ireland tonight. I think that pretty much says it all. Uh, and finally, to Mastodon, uh, Richard Mifsud. Uh, hello to Richard. He's been out. He was out sick tonight. He's supposed to be on. I hope you get better soon. Um, he goes, it was a disappointing 10 minutes in the final quarter, but that's great. Still great learning for the kids. And then finally, Andrew Byrne on Mastodon said, Harry Byrne's kicking out of hand was very good. Amazing the difference a bit of game time makes. So that's that. Um, and if you haven't yet joined the social media conversation for Leinster matches, why not give it a go? I tend to go on Mastodon during the match these days, although we still do the post for full-time thoughts over on our Facebook page. So now it's time to wrap up the results from round 13 of the United Rugby Championship, um, starting with uh, Ulster 35, Stormers 5, Scarlets 37, Bulls 28, Benetton 30, Munster 40, Dragons 28, Glasgow 42, Leinster 38, Carter 14, Edinburgh 19, Sharks 22, Connor 43, Lions 24. And finally on Sunday, there was Zebra 24, Ospreys 28. All of which leaves the table. Leinster well in the lead at the top with 61 points, 13 wins out of 13. Second place, the Stormers, which is 45, but with a game in hand. In third, there's Ulster 43, also with a game in hand. Then the Bulls 40. In fifth place, Glasgow 39 with the game in hand. Munster are sixth now with 37. Seventh are Benetton with 34. And then rounding out the top eight, you've got the Sharks in eighth place with 33, but with two games in hand. And then finally, outside the playoff places, you've got Edinburgh with 31, Condit 30, Cardiff 29, just ahead of just ahead of Ospreys, also on 29 on points difference. In 13th, you've got Lions 24 with the game in hand. Then you've got the Scarlets 22, the Dragons 18, and finally Zebra, who's, who picked up two points this week, but it still leaves them rooted to the bottom of the table with seven points. Now, the next matches. Um, in the competition, there is actually a game next weekend, even though the Six Nations kicking off. This is a match from round one, would you believe? It's the Sharks hosting the Stormers. So that's on uh, February the 4th. And then finally, uh, round 14 uh, is a couple of weeks later, uh, kicking off on the 17th of February, the Friday. Two big matches. Munster hosts the Ospreys and Glasgow Warriors host Ulster. And then on Saturday, February the 18th, we've got the Lions against the Sharks. Bulls against the Stormers, Zebra against Connaught, Scarlets host Edinburgh, Cardiff host Benetton, and finally you got Leinster at home to the Dragons. So that's uh, what's coming up in the United Rugby Championship. Right, that's brilliant, lads. We're going to leave it there for now. Many thanks to Connor and Kino for joining me, and we'll hope to talk to you again soon. Take it easy, Matt. Thank you. Thanks a million.
So that's it for this week. Be sure and subscribe to our podcast feed if you haven't already. Keep an eye on our website, harpinonrugby.com, for all our features during the week. Next up, we switch fully into Six Nations mode. We're planning a bonus pod during the week to look ahead to the entire tournament. Then we will, of course, be getting Saturday's opener at the Principality Stadium, all the usual harp and treatment, with a preview before, another rep pod after, and all the usual features in between. As always, feel free to send us your thoughts. Email us at paganoblog at gmail.com or get us on any or all of our social media platforms. You'll find the links in the program notes. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. Slan.